the Making Sense of Life podcast number 33. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sunil Rahaja. We're looking at making sense of life in what is a growingly challenging and complex world. And today's podcast is a continuation of uh, a previous conversation with the author John Hindley and his book, Dealing with Disappointment, How to Know Joy When Life Doesn't Feel Great. So great to have you here with us, John. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. And it's great to carry on our conversation. If you haven't listened to the previous one, um, I'd encourage you to, to go back to that one first, because what we did was we unpacked this whole issue of disappointment. We talked about how disappointment is not, as it were, overt suffering in the sense when some major tragedy happens in our lives. But that sort of, if you like, that gnawing niggle or that that ache in our lives about things not being quite the way we'd like them to be. And we talked about how it's particularly an issue in our affluent West or in the richer parts of the world where we've in many ways achieved so much and been able to do so much that, you know, our parents and grandparents would be amazed at the things we can do in our lives, largely because of technology. You know, the fact that I can talk to you wherever you are in the world and that John and I can have this conversation is an amazing thing. And yet, because of all the progress, there's a sense that is there more to, is there more to life than this? So, John, you know, we, we unpacked a lot of this in the previous in the previous podcast about these three principles, about uh, what disappointment is. And then we looked at how the three principles of how hope that destroys despair purpose that cuts off escape and perspective that shrinks disappointment and what we're going to try and do now is we're going to try and unpack that uh, with some practical examples and look at this more uh, in the different as it were contexts of our lives and let's start I think first of all John with with the first one which is when I'm disappointed with my situation and you talk about the fact that there's a secret that I need to learn yes that's right Um, and it's a secret that Uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the early followers of Jesus, that that he learned. Let me read from the Bible, um, the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. And Paul, in this situation, he's he's in prison um, for his faith in Christ and for his work as a missionary. And he writes, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any And every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And Paul's secret is that by his faith in Christ, by turning to Christ, by living life as a follower of Jesus, prayerfully dependent on God, he can do all things. He can take success and failure, hunger and plenty 
abundance, you know, a, a success in his work, a thriving ministry or churches falling apart and, and people ignoring him. He can take them all in his stride, not because he's stoic and not because it's like water off a duck's back. He, he cares deeply and that very much comes across in his writing, but because God is the source of his strength, not himself. Right. So that that's just in a sense he, he's looking beyond his current circumstance. And it's amazing that something that he wrote in from prison 2000 years ago can as it were, give us perspective and give us meaning today. I mean, it's in, in many ways, we were talking about this earlier, this is a sort of form of cognitive behavior therapy, but using the Apostle Paul, I think. I think it is, yes, yes. And I think that we we defeat things that are true by looking at things that are, in a sense, more true. So I can think, well, this this situation at work is deeply disappointing, it's frustrating, I can't see a way beyond it, It's it's colouring my whole life. But I think, well one day i i'll be free of this christ will return and all the frustrations and disappointments will go and the the work that we get to do in that new heaven that new earth will be satisfying will be and and it, it gives us perspective it shrinks the size of our disappointments by, by looking uh, okay at but if we think about this a bit more so we're talking about the area of work the context of work and disappointments and frustrations with work but there are two ways we can go with work one way is that i can over-engage and try really, really hard to sort things out. Or the other thing I can say, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm just going to do the minimum possible and just get by and live, live for the weekends. Yes, that and, and that's why I think this future perspective is so helpful because we can think, well, I, I don't need to make work everything. Um, but on the other hand, I want to... I want to serve people well. Christ says that we, we are to love people, that our love for people will have eternal consequences in their lives. In the context of work, the way I love people well is to to serve my boss well, to serve my colleagues well, to serve my customers well, or my patients or my students, whatever particular work you do. Um, my, my wife, Felicity, she's a great example of this. She works as an accountant. I remember years back, um, we had a number of people who came to ask us about our faith in Christ because of the way she worked and they couldn't what, what was that what was it about the way that she worked yeah it was this strange thing where she she was known for being hard working and where there was an an audit that they were doing and, and things were behind or a lot of work needed doing she would pile in and she'd work hard and she'd be diligent and she'd put in the hours but other days when there wasn't pressure on she'd leave at five because she had a, a bible study meeting with a, another um, lady from church or something and her friend said look everyone at, at, in this office either they work every hour there is because they're desperately trying to get make partner as young as they can or they do the bare minimum because they just want to get home and and, and do the bare minimum they can do not to get sacked um, but you sometimes you work really hard and you know we think you're climbing the greasy pole other times you leave on time and what's going on and she said well I, I want to serve people well I follow Jesus I want to work hard for his sake and and I think people found it attractive because she was engaged in her work she was working hard she was doing a good job but she wasn't living for her work so she'd grasped that the purpose of work was to display the, the love of God to the world but it wasn't all up to her either in a sense no no exactly she she was free from I think finding her identity in her work yeah and I think a lot of us you know people say one of the first things you get asked when you meet people what do you do because that defines you um, and and people see it didn't define her but she did want to work hard and she wanted to find work satisfying just, just, just moving on just thinking more um, 
then there's disappointment with with people there's disappointment with people as well do you want to talk us about that yes i think this is a huge area of disappointment and it's very hard to talk about because often we're disappointed with with our friends with our family with our spouse with our children with our parents and and sometimes it's not it's nothing major it's not something we feel we could necessarily bring out uh, maybe we just hoped that our marriage would be a bit closer or or we hope that our children would would be a bit brighter and we're not cross with them that they're struggling at school it's just a disappointment we'd hope that they'd follow us into our job or whatever or you know maybe you work as a um a plumber and you just hope that you'd have a son who who would follow you into the business and you've got two daughters and neither of them is the least bit interested in plumbing they both want to work um in in totally different professions and you're just a bit it's not awful you love them but there's a it's very hard to talk about that because you wouldn't want to load that on them yes and you say that um disappointment with people is, is our often our greatest source of disappointment and um as you said it's very hard to talk about that because it it, it doesn't it so you certainly couldn't talk directly with a person about it. And then if you talk about it with somebody else, then it can feel a little bit sort of gossipy and sort of complaining and, and grumbly as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you can end up caught, you know, you go going for a minor operation and you're just a bit sad. None of your friends bother to text you or mention they'd all forgotten. And I mean, you don't want to talk about it with them because it's not a big deal. You don't want, you don't want to make it out that you're really cross. But on the other hand, you don't want to talk about them with others because... And yet there's a desire, in a sense, to want to be real about it as well and yes. to be honest that it, it, it's... And I suppose as disciples of Christ, if, if it matters to us, it matters to God. And that's probably one, one of the wonders is that God is interested in every area of our lives, even if it is maybe more on the trivial end. That is very helpful, yes. And I think one of the great blessings of being a follower of God is you can you can talk to him about these things. You can bring them to him in prayer and ask for wisdom lord is this something i should just forgive and move on or is this thing i should forgive and then talk to them about and i found that when i've when i've done that when there have been situations like where i've forgiven someone and then talked to them i do so in a way that is much more constructive and that builds our relationship because i'm not trying to vent my disappointment on them i've dealt with my disappointment with god's help i've forgiven them and now I'm going to talk to them because I want to be upfront. I want to be honest. And sometimes there's things where it's more about me. Yeah. Actually, I don't. I I I need to move on, and God helps me see that. Yeah, and and we're going to come onto this because obviously we're all very imperfect, struggling with this ourselves. But let's just move on. Um, just before I do, just a, a, a note to our listeners as well. Podcast twenty five. We talk more about is there a difficult person in your life, where I interview the author Linda Outker and some of the skills that she's learnt uh, about helping people dealing with conflict situations. Um, but let's move on to disappointment with my success. And, uh, John, you make a confession in the book that there's a dangerous activity that you engage in. Um, tell, us, tell us about that. Yes, um, I, I do it quite regularly at this time of year. Uh, and this dangerous activity is mowing the lawn. Mowing the lawn, he said. <laughs> Life-threatening. Um, <laughs> and that's not because I got a particularly um, bad mower or something, or, or, or you know, ravine in the middle of the garden. Um, no, I, I realised this. I, I laid some turf a few years ago, and I'm, I'm a middle-aged man, and I am prone to worship my house and to think okay. that my my joy and my meaning as a man comes from having a, a well-known lord and a verdant well-laid bit of turf uh, and i 
I, so it's it's pathetic and it's trivial and it's silly, um, but but it's true. We so often tie up our meaning and identity with such trivial things and and find satisfaction. In, and I think in some ways it's an escape. I can deal with the lawn. You know, there's lots of things in my life that are disappointing. But if the lawn is disappointingly long, I can get the mower out and I can cut it. Um, it's it's within and. And, you know, I, I actually found ironing quite satisfying as well. Um, yeah. It's that it's achievable. And it's you, you see a tangible result at the end. You know what the, the result of your efforts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No one can argue with that short grass or that flat shirt. Um, <laughs> and and it, it becomes an escape, a little idolatrous escape from actually the, the things that are more important and more significant in life. So you're saying that it. it it, it becomes too important to you and so if things are not the way you want then it's what it's easy for you to become frustrated or angry or you, you explain to us yeah very much so so i think these little things i'm the sort of personality where they they can become very big so if if it rains or something comes up unexpectedly and i plan to cut the lawn this evening and i can't then i i get grumpy and down because i'd wanted to achieve something and it's it's taken on a significance that's far greater than it should have and and i feel yeah grumpy and frustrated and irritable um in a way that that's pathetic really. so something that appears relatively trivial and minor in a sense exposes something in your heart that you never actually knew was there if you like until the opportunity to do something which apparently which is a good thing to to mow the lawn and make it look, all look good but then it becomes too important Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you say in the book, um, to expand on it, um, how does worshipping Jesus enable you to enjoy your worldly success without worshipping it or worrying about loving it? Well, the the reason I use the kind of lawn illustration is actually the end of that time, realising what I was doing in my lawn. I, I, lay, I lay on my back on our picnic table on the lawn and I, I looked at the sky and I, I just saw the vast expanse of, of the clouds and a few stars just sort of beginning to, to come out, I think. And and I realised that there's a God who, who made it all, who made the sky, who laid all the grass on the face of the earth. And, and I thought, you know, my lawn, it doesn't have to be something that that is this huge deal. Mm. It can be just a little taste of, of the satisfaction that there is in serving God. I can enjoy mowing the lawn, um, knowing that God enjoys creating order out of chaos. Um, and it can just be a little hint of his goodness and the satisfaction that there is in following him. So rather than becoming this big deal, it can instead be a, a signpost to God in a way. Right, yeah. And so you talk about that in terms of um, being more enamoured by God than, than the signpost. And you talk about if you see Christ truly, you want to grasp him with both hands and you hardly notice you've let go of your dreams of success to do so. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. I think that the the way we lose hold of little desires that, that are not helping us to, to thrive is not by sort of forcing ourselves to let go of them. It's by grasping hold of something better. Yes. And, it's, and so going back to the signpost analogy, it's, it's, it's seeing that the signpost is pointing somewhere. So the good things we enjoy in life are actually signposts. So doing a, mowing the lawn and doing a good job of that and doing that with excellence is not the end in itself it's a signpost to you that there's some far greater and far better work a far better person that you should be enamored by yes yes that's exactly right it'd be like if you receive a, a letter from the love of your life and and you enjoy 
reading the letter and reading of, of her love for you. Um, and then you you go and meet her and you have a meal with your fiance or wife or girlfriend or whatever. It'd be very odd to sit reading the letter. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in her presence really, rather than engaging with her. That's right. Thank you. So you say real success then is to love as we are loved, to know the joy of being Christ and being like Christ. And, and just tying, and, and then on page 87, the following page, the fuel for, tr- for living a truly successful life is to know that you will one day live it perfectly and with perfect satisfaction. So how does that feed into success then? I think one of the, the things that stops us being successful is the, the feeling we can never achieve it. Mm. I can never be the man I want to be. I can never do the work I want to do. W- whatever area it is, I can never attain what I would like to. Um, and that can be uh, a kind of stifling of mm. our efforts and, and discouraging and put us off trying. But knowing that one day we will live perfectly with Christ, we'll be, we'll be raised to a new life where, where we don't mess up and sin and, and, and hurt people and are full of selfishness. To know that that's coming, that there will be, we will serve satisfyingly, we'll work in a way that is satisfying. I think it frees us to, to aim at that now. Yes, and I said you giving your confession. I I I think it's appropriate that I give a confession as well. Is that doing this blog and podcast? I have to confess that at times my identity can be very much overwrapped up, and it can become dangerous for me as well, because obviously I, I want the the podcast to be successful. I want lots of people to listen to it, but also part of me wants people to think, oh, isn't Sunil a great guy for what he's doing and for this, that, and the other? And that's dangerous because really my joy and satisfaction should be in the fact that I'm loved by God and because of Christ, not because of some great podcast that I'm doing or, 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 or what I'm achieving. Yes, and it's so hard when, when, of course, it's a good thing to want people to be well served by this podcast. That, that's, why, that's why you're doing it. But of course, it can also be, be something that becomes a matter of, of pride. And, and yeah, you, like you say, you want people to listen, not just so that they're served, but so that... People think good things, people think well of me. And uh, that's a dangerous thing, obviously, because it's not wrong to want people to think well of us. But when does that become too important? When does that, as it were, become, um, as you said, an idol? So that if somebody criticizes the podcast, does that crush me? Does that make me feel somehow I failed in some way? So, no, that's that's very, very helpful. You're raising the ante in your book because we've talked about um, disappointment with people we've talked about disappointment with my success but then it's disappointment with myself and you very candidly write um, the person that you're most disappointed with is the person you is the person you see in the mirror every day and if we're honest with ourselves and all of us can say the same thing but can you pack, unpack for us what it means when you say that you're deeply disappointed with yourself mm, I am not the man I wish I was in in any area. join the club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think I think one of the liberating things about following Jesus is I can admit that I'm a sinner and and that my sin is nasty. Hold on, hold on. You can admit. What do you mean that you're a sinner and that sin is nasty? You need to unpack that for us because these are archaic words in twenty um, first century Britain around the world. I think you need to unpack that for us, John. Yes, I certainly do. Thank you. Let me read you. Um, a verse that was written um, even further ago in the New Testament, the prophet Jeremiah, um, writing in the 6th century before Christ, said, said this, this is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, his prophet. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, 
the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So what the Lord is saying is that there's a, there's a double turn in what the Bible calls sin. The first turn is to turn away from God, and God describes himself as the fountain of living waters. The picture is a thirsty person turns away from a, a, a beautiful fountain of clear water to cut out a cistern, to cut out a water tank that has a hole in the bottom and can't hold water. And, and sin is always that double turn in the Bible. We turn away from God and his life and his ways and his blessing, and we turn to ourselves and to establishing our own importance and identity. And, and that, it, it becomes very mean. So I, let me give you an example. This is another confession. It's a worse one than the lawn one. There are times when I have had a bad day and I want to, I want to tell my children off because I want to take out my frustration. So I treat them in a way that means they do something naughty that means I can tell them off. And I've, I've said that to people and it's, it's hideous. I found other dads agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, and I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's nasty and I don't want to be that man. But there's a wonderful freedom in being able to say, I am disappointed with myself, that I can, I can sit here and admit that to you. Yeah. Otherwise, as you said, we will look to blame somebody else for it. Yeah. yeah, and we hide and we pretend we're perfect and we, everything I do wrong is because I'm tired. Um, <laughs> yes, we use that as, a, as an excuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think, I think that there's a freedom in being able to say, I'm, I'm disappointed with myself. Lord, help me change. Help me to grow. And I think the important point you're making here is that, and we, we see this in the life of King David in the Old Testament, um, it, the conclusion that it's not um, my flaws or my lack of expertise in some area that should lead to disappointment. You know, there are things like I'm terrible at DIY, for example, that, that, that I'm disappointed within myself. But it's actually much, much deeper than that. Um, that the fact that actually I, I am sinful, as I think David says, sinful from 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 when I was born from when my mother conceived me I was sinful from that point yes and David's picking up on the, the idea in the Bible that God he, he made us in his image so there is a a goodness and a glory to us that is a reflection of who God is but that also since since Adam our first ancestor um, we have been born with with that image broken with with a sinful nature that means that selfishness comes naturally to us we don't teach our children how to be naughty yeah. um, i don't say to my daughters oh look now you'll observe i'm offering you two pieces of cake and one is bigger than the other um so so you need to tell me that's not fair um, i didn't need to teach them that they will, yeah, they will tell yeah, that, me very quickly <laughs> that came naturally like that so we are quick to hide from acknowledging our um the things that are deeply wrong with us we're quick to blame and find fault in other people. What's the solution? The solution is, is a beautiful Bible idea called repentance, which is literally means to turn, to turn away from sin and turn back to God. And, and we sometimes think, of, oh, goodness, that's a hard thing I've got to do. I've got to give up my sin that I enjoy and turn back to God. Whereas actually it's a blessing and a gift because our sin is what, what traps us, and what breaks us and God says no you can you can turn away from it I will give you a new heart a new ability to love a, new, a change a new person that means you're not trapped you're no longer a slave to sin you're no longer trapped in this life where you have to live selfishly you're free to love free to forgive free to be generous free to to be honest when it costs you 
and and we get to be the men and women we want to be that's right and what's very powerful you say in the book on page 108 is they say your purpose in life is not to be perfect because that's where we keep going we keep mm. thinking i've got to have this perfect record i've got to as it were, build up brownie points or uh, computer game points to, to show how great I'm doing. No, that's not your purpose. Your purpose in life is to showcase God's grace to the imperfect. So as, 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 as the Bible uses that phrase of jars of clay, where we're very imperfect, and yet we have something that, that's an, an immeasurable treasure. Yes, we sometimes act like, like we can fool God and, and pretend that we're perfect, but God knows. He knows what we're like, and he... He comes to forgive us. He comes to offer us grace, which is his his love that is based on his his own love for us, not our loveliness. Mm. So because the, the reason God loves me is because he's loving. It means I can't lose that. I can't undo that. And it's it's transformative. It it makes me uh, more like him. OK, so. um We've got OK, that's becoming clearer in terms of. I'm disappointed with myself because of of the fact that I am sinful, the fact that there is a part of me that, that is deeply flawed. That doesn't get away from the fact that I still get disappointed with my lack of ability in certain areas and frustrated with myself that I'm not good at... I mean, I'm glad you we're, we're talking about confessing here, so my DIY, okay? Um, how do we handle that, that, that disappointment with our lack of ability and thinking we could be, could be better at some things than others? That's a great question. I... I think part of the answer to that is community, that God didn't make us to be sufficient by ourselves. That's a good point. So if I, if I was good at everything, if I was a jack of all trades and could do everything expertly, then I would actually probably become quite proud and self-righteous and quite arrogant about it, I suppose. Yes, I think that's right. And, and we, we need community. We need to do things together. So, so you know, we, we see this in, in families, we see it in the church as well, that God puts different people together with, with different gifts. And there's a beautiful picture that, um, again, the Apostle Paul, who we spoke about earlier, he talks about the Christian church being like a body. And the eye shouldn't think that it's deficient because it's not a foot. Um, but the eye needs the foot and the foot needs the eye. You can't, the body needs all, all the different members of the body. And God, he gives us different gifts. And, different and so we celebrate that in each other. We celebrate the fact that somebody is maybe very gifted musically or very gifted in, in an area that I'm not gifted in, um, rather than looking at them with envy or jealousy, that we see that um, each one of us is, is, is uniquely endowed with certain gifts. And um, in terms of the, how about stretching and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and then accepting our limitations? Because there, there there's a tension here. Because I, I could still then say, well, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll just sit back and relax and really and, and not do anything how do you see that yes i i think i think the answer to that is faith that we we walk by faith and not by sight so so th there's a temptation to think oh i can't do that i'll just like say i'll sit back i won't bother trying another temptation to think oh, i'm good at everything and then i'm frustrated when i can't get the shelf up straight or whatever it is um, many times for me <laughs> and and then there's faith it's well lord where where do I need to just accept my limitations and where do I need to be pushing myself? Where do I need? And, and we can ask our friends, look, where do you think? And, and some areas in life are more important than others. You know, if you're struggling to, to be generous as a, as a husband or a father, that's a more important area to push yourself in than working out how to use a spirit level or whatever. There's, there's things that matter more. Than that's others. helpful, yeah. So it, it's getting that, that, again, I suppose, the right perspective about what is, what is really important and, and, and what should I be, be focusing and concentrating on. 
you tell really helpfully talk about this secret in terms of holding together two images, if you like, in, in the mirror. When you look at yourself in the mirror, there's mm. the, the, as you said earlier on, the part of the, when you look in the mirror, you see the person you're deeply disappointed with. But also the glorious Christ in you that enables you to admit your sin, but not despair at your sin. Um, and so you say we're disappointed with ourselves and yet we sing with joy about it. How strange, how wonderful. I love the way you put that. Expand on that, please. Yes, I think there's this beautiful reality that as Christians, we we are always saints and sinners. We, we have the righteousness of Christ, not as something we've earned, but as something we're given. We're given um, a beautiful life in Christ and we are we are sinners and and we can admit that and we can in a sense in in the moment we can choose you know by the work of God in us we can well I, I say you're faced with a situation where you could tell the truth at, at cost to yourself or you could lie and and we think well look, you need to do the right thing you need to kind of summon up the willpower to do the right thing but actually the bible's picture is no you are given the freedom to be the the person of integrity that you long to be and you can live out that righteousness of christ so our our speaking truth in that situation is then god's gift to us it's a freedom from from the slavery to to saying something that makes people think well of me of course if we lie then we receive the grace of forgiveness so it's it's all gift to us that's an amazing understanding that, that it is all so it, it takes the pressure off in the sense that it's, it that there really is a loving god who wants to give me the gift of either forgiveness when i when i mess up or the gift of can you just explain that again yeah so the gift of integrity so so if i tell that i want to be a man of integrity and if god gives me the strength to be truthful in a situation where it's hard that's not me doing something that somehow he pats me on the back for and gives me a brownie point it's it's him giving me something that I, I long for. Um, I long to be a man of integrity, and he and so that and, and so he's giving me the gift to enable me to, to do that. That's yeah. wonderful. So you've talked to us about disappointment with our context, disappointment with, with others. Uh, we talked about disappointment with myself, but then you come to a very hard and challenging part for. For, for those of us who are very committed about our faith in God or in Christ, that we are disappointed with God. Now, that's a very hard thing to say. You know, all of us have had experiences in one way or another that don't make sense. Um, I did a whole podcast with Chris Wright on the God I Don't Understand. Um, that's podcast number 28. And you, you may want to listen to that. For me personally, um, I always go back, well, at this point in my life, I go back to 17th of March 2014 when a good friend of mine died suddenly at the age of 32, uh, having just spoken to him a few hours earlier. Uh, totally, totally out of the blue, that totally rocked my world. And I don't really understand that even now, three years later. Um, and I have to confess, I was, yeah, I'm very disappointed with God that he allowed that to happen. Expand with it, you know, because it, it, it's a challenge. Um, if if we're serious about faith, if we're serious about about our walk with God, how do we handle that? Yes, it is a challenge, and and I think one of the temptations is to not go there. Um, to think, well, it's wrong. I can't be disappointed with God. Um, but I think it's important too, because 
if we're serious about our faith, we're going to have to own that God is the king. He, he rules over all things. And so the disappointments of life, like the terrible tragedy with your mm. friend, that, that is in his control. We and obviously there's obviously terrible things that happen around the world, terrorist attacks and disasters that happen. Yeah. yeah, and we can't say, well, God can wash his hands of these in the sense that he has nothing to do. He can't stop them. Or we have to kind of think, well, what what's going on here? And we have to be honest and say there are times when we feel great disappointment. And to not reference that to God is is really to hide and to avoid the question. And I think when we do, we, we push through and we think, well, God has a deeper love than we have. He has a greater wisdom and he has a much wider view. And, and sometimes I think we won't understand. I think we will when we see Christ and we see what the Lord has been doing. He sees the end from the beginning and we just see a part. Yes, yeah, so we talk about that. Your, your life is a whole movie, not a single scene. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's really important. But I think as well, we need to look for what the Lord might be doing in that scene. And, and we can't always see all of it, but we can sometimes see some of it and see how he is the God who brings good out of evil. Um, and I think some of our problems at this point with God come because we think he's the God who should bring exactly the good we expect instead of the evil. But he is a God of the cross who worked the salvation of humanity through the death of his son on a cross. Um, he is the God of death and resurrection, um, the God of joy in suffering, not the God of life without death mm. in that sense you know, christ had to work blessing through his own death and and that is the pattern that is we, we find god in the suffering in the pain in the despair we, we find a god who meets us when things are hard and when we're honest and when we're broken and and that's where we most see his his kindness and his love and i remember a, f a few years ago um my wife and i um lost a baby in early pregnancy um what we called a miscarriage and I was very confident of the Lord's control in those circumstances. And, and it was a hard time in faith. But mm -hmm. the thing that we saw overwhelmingly was the kindness of the Lord. And I, I've never felt so deeply Christ's love and kindness towards us, both directly and, um, and through his church. I remember three young lads in church, these students, Joe and Tim and Richard, came around with a bunch of flowers for my wife because they didn't know what to do. And I thought, what a blessing that these young men who it would be very easy just to do nothing, but they didn't know what to do. So they did mm. what they thought of and, and showed us kindness. And that was just a, one instance yeah. of the Lord, Lord's yeah. kindness. To us. And actually, that ties into this because you do say in the book, when it comes to disappointment, I'm sure that a huge problem is we do not fight its disappointments together. We need to tease out when in our lives we should be disappointed, but are not. We need to see where our disappointment is simply wrong and where our disappointment is legitimate but has simply grown too large. We need to let the gospel of Jesus Christ affect the way we feel. These are incredibly hard things to do for ourselves. I suggest they're impossible for you to achieve, but you're not meant to. We need to fight for joy in a disappointing world together. Yes, so much of, of what God gives us, he gives us in community, in, in the church. And our instinct, I think particularly living in, in the West, in this age is to do everything myself to fix everything 
myself or you know watch some youtube videos and then sort it out and and god says that's not that won't work um actually we we follow a god who's community uh the christian god the trinity is is, is human yeah 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 so from, from the very beginning god's been in community and he puts us in community and and it's hard it's hard I find it incredible. I wrote a book and I find it incredibly hard to talk about these things with, with my church family. But I, I must because Christ has given me them mm. to enable me to follow him. And he's given me to them. We, he's given us to each other as a gift to help one another. And we, we need each other. We yeah. can't do and, and obviously part of this conversation is as a, you and I had this conversation, I hope that it will enable others outside in their context to have that conversation as well. Um, Thank you. It's 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 an amazing, um, an important subject to discover to discuss this whole idea of disappointment with God and how to find joy when life doesn't feel great, which I think all of us can identify with. Um, some final thoughts, I, I, and I, I'd love you to end with the issue about the but God, mm. and the whole issue about but God. So, because I think so often people, and you talked about this, I think earlier on, is uh, you know you say, well, life so you know life that was good, but. You know, it was okay, but but you say, but God. Yes, that's right. It's very easy to to make disappointments in our life the but that colours every good thing in a negative light. And I think the way to fight that is to go, well, no, that the last but there might be but this disappointment, but the last but is but God. But God has set His love on me. But God has adopted me as His child. But God sent His Son to die for me to find me. But God gives me life. But God counts me as his but god will right every wrong but god will wipe away these tears but god will be there at the end of all things and give me joy and smile in welcome and and it's that but god is is the last word thank you very much john for really helping us to make sense of life what it is in a challenging complex and at many times disappointing world thank you for showing us that it, that disappointment is can be in our work context, in our environment, but also it leads to disappointment with ourselves and ultimately with God as well. But that, but there is a but God answer. Um, thank you so much. Just to remind you, it's John Hindley's book, Dealing with Disappointment, How to Know Joy When Life Doesn't Feel Great. Uh, there'll be a link to it on the website. And thank you again for listening to us today. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.